Welcome to another episode of What's the Lesson, y'all? Today, we have the pleasure of having a fun conversation, especially for us given that we are now in the business of summer camps with a trailblazer in the industry. Audrey Monkey, the owner of Gold Arrow Camp, is someone who is deeply committed to creating a kid-focused experience with memories and lessons that will last them well beyond their time at camp. Audrey is passionate about making sure that everyone in the world knows about the innumerable benefits of summer camp experiences. Beyond her role as the Chief Visionary Officer of Gold Arrow Camps, she is a captivating speaker, podcast host, and the author of the book, Happy Campers, Nine Summer Camp Secrets for Raising Kids Who Become Thriving Adults. Audrey, who was a former camper as well as camp counselor at Gold Arrow, turned owner in 1986, has one clear mission to share invaluable lessons and experiences that can empower us all to raise children who are not only happy and healthy, but also independent and responsible. Her background and extensive research revolves around a critical aspect of childhood development and the impact of learning such social skills. So whether you're a parent, an educator, a mentor, or simply someone who believes in the transformative power of fostering these skills, this conversation is bound to resonate with you. Let's get into it. Welcome to What's the Lesson, the podcast that takes you on a deep dive into the world of character development. We're Jill and Mary, the dynamic duo behind Girls Mentorship. We foster self-confidence, self-esteem, and self-awareness for tween and teen girls, along with their invaluable network of supporters through events, resources, and mentorship. Picture us as your coaches, walking alongside you through the world of social-emotional learning, and think of this podcast as your own personal roadmap. We'll support you in discovering obstacles that might be holding you back, and gain clarity on why this work is a game changer, not only for your growth, but for the next generation of leaders as well. Alongside our fantastic guests, we're here to share knowledge about how you can change old patterns of behavior and make sense of those WTF moments, shifting them into lessons that can drastically improve your life instead. Whether you're an entrepreneur, a superhero stay-at-home mom, or someone fueled by boundless curiosity, our mission is crystal clear, to supercharge your emotional intelligence and sprinkle the magic of SEL into every corner of your life. Audrey, you were just saying that you finished up 14 weeks of summer camp, which literally pales in comparison to the three weeks that Jill and I did, but it just speaks to how much more experience and how much longer you've been doing this. So according to my little bit of research, you are the chief visionary officer, nicknamed Sunshine, which both of those fit really well together, of Golden Arrow Camp, which is out of California. Um, And it was started in 1933, which is absolutely incredible. And you took over in 1989. So you've been doing summer camp since 1989. There's a picture right behind your head of your family. I'm assuming you have, what, five children? Yes. <laughs> and they're all wearing camp shirts. And we're just, we're enamored with you and Golden Arrow Camp. And when we stumbled upon you, we were so ready to have a conversation because camp is new for us. We're two years into it. And it's this fun, vibrant, um, just 
time in our lives where we get to have an incredible impact on the girls that come through our camp. So we can only imagine that you walk away feeling, yes, probably very exhausted after 14 weeks of it, but equally probably filled up. So will you talk about how you found Golden Arrow Camp and just what it's meant to you to be such an integral piece of its growth? Sure. My goodness. It's funny. We just had our 90th year reunion party like two weeks ago. And it brought back people from every decade of the camp. And um, it's just the impact, the lifelong impact is is amazing. And like you said, it really fills you up because after all the hard work to know that, oh my gosh, it's so meaningful. Um, okay, so my story, first of all, it's called Gold Arrow Camp. Oh, people often that. call it, that's okay. People always call it golden, but it's actually Gold Arrow Camp. Gold. Okay. So um, my journey into camp and owning a camp was, um, I guess it's not accidental, but I always have thought kind of divine intervention is more like it. Um, I was in college and I thought I wanted to be a teacher. I always loved working with kids. I loved school. Um So I wanted some more experience working with kids, and I went to my college career center. I was at Stanford University at the time. I was a sophomore in college, and this was pre-internet back in the dark ages in the 80s, (laughs) and they had big notebooks with brochures from summer camps. And I'm browsing through the, the notebook, and I get to Gold Arrow Camp, and I was like, oh my gosh, I went to this camp just one time as a child when I was 10 years old, but I remember loving it. Um, so I applied for a job um, as a water water skiing instructor. So I was I had a lot of experience driving boats. My dad always had a love of boats and taught me how to drive boats. And I had been driving boats and teaching my friends to water ski since I was 11 years old. Hmm. So, um, so I applied and got a job that first summer, which was in 1986. And it happened to be the first summer since the founder of Gold Arrow Camp, Manny Vizi, had passed away. So he died in December of 1985. And his widow, um, who was already, I think, in her 70s at the time, um, was sort of talking about selling the camp starting my very first year. So all through college, all of the counselors, we'd all be like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Who's going to buy the camp? You know, so I, did, I didn't really think that it was going to be me, but I ended up partnering up with the assistant director at the time who was of the appropriate age to be taking over camp. He was like 40. I was 20. <laughs> I was 22 and ended up just through a whole series of things, ended up buying the camp um, in 1989. And uh, with him as a partner and helping run it. Um, so, so yeah, so it was kind of crazy. And I will say, I know you work with, with girls and women on just, you know, empowering them with all these things. I, it was really hard. It was the first 10 years, I would say, were really challenging because it was a great camp and I loved the camp so much. And there were some cultural changes that were really important to me to make. And changing culture is like turning the Titanic. It is slow and hard. Um, What you're doing, starting your own program, has its own challenges, which is like getting people to know who you are and getting the the campers to come and people to understand. Um, So it it was definitely really hard but also i look back and i'm i'm really grateful that it was kind of during the time almost um 
it was so I was in my 20s. And so I wasn't uh, married until like kind of later and I didn't have any kids. And so I could just work really hard on everything. So um, by the end of the 10 years, I did have a couple of kids. So um, so yeah, so so it was a total crazy thing wasn't planned, worked out. And now looking back was just so meant to be everything about it. Um, we put together a team of leadership staff in the early 1990s, um, almost all of whom are still with us today. Wow. Oh my so, gosh. Talk so about now culture kind of, and about culture. Yeah, yeah so we're incredible. like the we're like the old people at camp now, but um, like in our 50s. But um, these, yeah, so so we just it was it's just been a really amazing community, and it's basically like it's like another family of mine. Uh, we have really taken this camp. I always say it's always been a really good camp, but we really made it great. And when you were speaking before we started recording about the magic of camp. Um, it's funny because in my book, in the intro, one section of the intro is called The Magic of Camp. Mm. <laughs> and um, obviously, it's not magic. And that's what I talk about in my book. It is right. very intentional programming and practices that lead to these emotions and changes and transformations. So uh, as for participants, it just feels fun. And you know, you're having this great time. And behind the scenes, there's a lot of reason behind the schedule and what we talk about and how we do our campfires and everything we do. And um, I just really appreciate now I'm in a spot where I get to just kind of mostly enjoy seeing kind of all the things that we've worked on just now happening naturally without um, requiring me to you know, reorient everyone all the time. Our, our returning campers, our returning staff really carry on the culture and mm. vision. So I still have a little bit of work to do because sometimes you forget to remind people about one particular thing and you have to sort of like, oh, we didn't talk about that enough this year. So um, mostly now I spend a lot of time on staff training. Um, I do training at my camp. I also do trainings at other camps, um, mostly around um, creating a positive culture and really good connections and relationships with campers, with coworkers, and um, because that's what kind of makes the experience is the, the, the people and the relationships and the connections. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. I want to, I'm curious to know, when you say culture, my, I just perk up. I love a good culture, whether it's in a brand, whether it's something that we're creating. And I'm curious to know, you coming in with fresh eyes, Back when you were um, a water ski instructor, did you notice that there was room for improvement? And then a few you know, years later where you really did get to step in in leadership, were you saying, okay, I know this is there, there's something that needs to happen here and I'm ready to kind of make some changes. Curious to know kind of your thought process around that because it is. I um, Back in the day before Girls Mentorship, Mary and I worked at Lululemon. And our job was to 
Um, I mean, I I was responsible for, for teams. So if I was supporting one team and then all of a sudden I had to go and work with a new team, I'm stepping into someone else's business and how they run things. So when I wanted to make changes, I had to be very careful and mindful of when is it the appropriate time? Am I really assessing the situation? How am I collecting feedback? And then I'm going to give my suggestions. So curious to know kind of your process on what that looked like in order for you to say, okay, I'm ready to kind of shake things up a little bit and change the culture. Yeah, it's funny. I've never had someone ask that, but that's a great question. I honestly think my first couple of years, I just loved camp. I loved, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my job. I get to be on a boat <laughs> with kids and talking to kids all day. And I had like um, kind of a group that first summer who were really into water skiing and they'd want to go early morning. So I had like some kids that I really got to know well. And I just loved the, um, just the interactions and everything. So I didn't, I didn't notice the bigger picture stuff and and that's kind of how it should be as a, you know, first year counselor. It wasn't um sure. And I and again, I don't want to paint, paint it that it was like a disaster. It was just a little bit um once I was in charge, I had different standards and I was looking at it from a different perspective. Um, you know, as a, it's very different thinking of camp as someone who owns the camp and wants to set this consistency and standard for mm -hmm. everyone versus just for yourself and being a counselor at camp. Um, one of the biggest things, though, that we did want to change was um, this is going to sound crazy. And maybe for your small program, this is not an issue, but it could be even at Lululemon and at other places. Um, we needed to get the focus back on the kids. Oh, yeah. So um, a lot of the things that had started happening were just about the staff having fun and their relationships and their schedule. And it was um, it was not um, as focused on the kids and the campers as their experience. So we now um, just put a lot of time and effort into teaching our staff about kind of what we consider like our organizational chart is actually a circle with the campers in the middle. And we just talk about how they're the center of everything we do. So decisions we make, whatever we're doing, it's about their experience. And then there are these layers of people and the people, the next most important people are the counselors who live and work with the campers day to day because they make or break the experience for our campers. Mm -hmm. And then the next like least important is sort of the head counselors and program heads who are experienced staff who are now supporting the counselors. Right. And then it's like all the rest of us, like the owners and directors and all those and support staff and everything else. So just really refocusing that what are, what is this for the kids? Like, how are we doing this for kids? So just like silly examples. And again, this is just me. I, I'm very detail focused, but you know, if, um, if a staff member is getting like, you know, we have, we have an outpost camp. If a staff member goes and like gets themselves something different to eat than what everyone else is having, that to me is not okay. It's we're mm. all having it or none of us are having it like we're, or our campers are having it if there's a limited amount of something it goes to the campers first so mm. that's just like a cultural kind of idea of um that is kind of basic you would think but a lot of schools and organizations that are supposedly youth focused end up getting off track when totally. they start thinking more about you know what what I don't know, it just because and again, if you're doing a good thing for the kids, you should be doing the same good things for your staff, the same kind of supportive environment. 
Um, another thing that, again, this was kind of specific to my camp, but we had, so my second year, I was actually a group counselor, which is where you have a group of kids and you go with them to their different activities. And our camp was very, um, like what they always love to share with people is like the number of sailboats we have and the certifications of our staff on the lake and that kind of thing, which is, that's important to us still. We still have great sailboats and we still have really well-trained <laughs> staff. Yes. However, those people used to only interact with kids at sailing. So someone would be hired as a sailing instructor and they would live in a tent with other sailing instructors, have meals only with other instructors, and um, not really have that experience of bonding with a group of kids. So we moved all of those people into cabins with, so we still have group counselors, but then we also have the activity counselors all living with kids. So again, we're focused on the kids. We're all developing relationships with them. And, um, and so it's more of like a parenting, a co-parenting thing now. It's not just like one person is responsible for everything. So that was another big cultural shift, which of course, as you can imagine, people who had been there just really working for like six hours a day teaching sailing suddenly now are having meals with the kids helping with campfires and the rewards from the job are way more when you have those relationships but yeah. in the beginning it was hard to make that transition oh sure absolutely it, it reminds me my mind is flashing back to a scene in dirty dancing where it is all the camp counselors and they go out and have fun <laughs> at night no one else is involved yeah. besides maybe one or two of the the guests that are at staying at the place um but clearly it worked. Clearly, yes, there's definitely friction at first because nobody likes change. Change is really hard, I can imagine. We're, we're the sailing instructors. We hang out with the sailing instructors. We work six hours a day. We don't want anything to do with the kids outside of our time sailing with them is, is a hard change because, yes, they might have a heart for kids, which is why they were there, or they might have a heart for sailing. So to then mince what their experience was, um, I can imagine was a culture shock for them, but it's worked. And Jill and I were looking at your camp website and your staff and I mean the scroll went on you oh have goodness. so many people who have bought into what you have created and what mm -hmm. was established prior like you said it wasn't like it was awful you had to make a couple of shifts and now you're now you're on your way but since 1933 okay we've built and established this incredible reputation you come take it over in the 80s and you've maintained whatever you said, the number of staff that you have. So the cultural changes worked. What has it been like going from a college student who didn't have any thought in her mind about buying a camp to now running a team of the size that you have? And if you know off the top of your head, you can share that number, of course. But we were inspired, impressed, a little scared. I mean, there there was so many people on your staff website that it's it's just incredible to see the size of the organization that you have and what then spans off from that is the experiences you create for the kids. Well, I think that team thing that I was talking about before, I don't really directly supervise or work with anyone other than like the camp directors now. So they really are doing all of that work. And we have a, such a like an experienced team of people that run the different areas. So I am more in a mentorship role at this point. Um, also, back when we started, it was a lot smaller, the staff and the team. Um, 
we've, uh, yeah, just for various reasons, like we added a ropes course in the early nineties and that requires, like we have like 12 more staff now because of that program. So we end up adding a lot of staff. Also, to be honest, just like running a camp now is a lot different than it was in the eighties and nineties. The standards for parents and our communication with parents are much higher. So we have to have a lot more people just to do all the, you know, taking and posting photos from camp and calling back parents who are nervous and want an update on their child and talking to kids who are coming to future sessions who are nervous. Um, There's a lot of things that we do now that weren't even like on anyone's job description 40 years ago. So I would say it that part, um, running a camp is more complex than it was. So um, probably it was good. I got eased into it maybe in an earlier decade because we didn't have, you know, photos to post. We didn't have as many activities. We didn't have as many staff back then. We, um, we now have, I think it's 175 people at a time. But that includes, you know, you have to, at an overnight camp, we have a food service operation that's like 20 people. We have a health center that is five people, including a doctor and nurses. So we have, it's it's like running a town kind of more than, because yeah. like we're also, to put it. yeah, we're, we're kind true. of remote. We're remote. So it's a different, um, it's a different thing than running like a day camp program where you can really be focused on your programmatic elements. Our program is a big part of what we do, but it's just one part of many different aspects. Literally running a a mini, mini city. Yeah. It is very cool. I, and I love that really you starting this, um, when you did, you've had to evolve and grow and change as the times have changed. And something that we even realized last year, like the way that we have to communicate and be with parents and guide parents and make sure that, you know, we're answering all of their questions has grown from last year to this year. And what we learned this year, talking about, you know, really grown with the times, Mm -hmm. to your point around setting a standard that like everybody eats similarly. We had the same rule around everybody brings their lunch, we provide a snack. And what we noticed was one week, totally fine. We had no problems. Week two, we were having girls um, start door dashing their lunch. <laughs> and Uber Eats. And, and Uber Eats. And oh, yeah. that was never, that wasn't a thing last year. That wasn't a thing week one. So talk about agility and pivoting and needing to then communicate with parents and being really agile and quick on our feet. <laughs> but we had a really beautiful conversation then with the girls around what that does to the entire experience of other girls not having the ability to do that. So I just, um, I want to relate to you in that way because (laughs) the two of us looked at each other and we were like, oh. Not in my wildest dreams. Never. I ever think that I needed to put that in the waiver. Like your child can't order DoorDash for several reasons. (laughs) Yes, for the jealousy purposes, but also random people coming on campus is not not okay. So then it was me, one of the camp counselors, because at the beginning stages, you wear very many different hats. (laughs) I'm outside in 118 degrees picking up DoorDash orders, which are things like Starbucks and boba tea and like just never. Chick-fil-A. You you don't think of certain things that come your way. So I can imagine that that's been a lot of your experience too, just in adding new things and different elements. And I, yeah. So kudos to you for, I mean, you've been in this for the long haul. So 
Yeah. Question around that, because this is very seasonal for us. And obviously, you have summer seasons. Is this a year-round thing for you in terms of camps? Or is it just summer camp that Gold Arrow does? Um, we actually only run our program during the summer. Okay. And we have seven year-round staff doing that. So we do have an office that operates year-round. Right now, um, we are registering campers for next year. We'll start next more like in October or late September, um, rehiring staff and then starting to interview new staff. We have a junior counselor program, so we screen and interview those kids. Um, and then speaking to what you were just talking about, we do a lot of figuring out what do we need to communicate, train parents, staff, campers for next year? What did we miss? What were some feedback we got? So we, we review all the, um, all the feedback from our families. And our year-round team, we actually do, like in a, I think it's mid-September, we'll have a, a planning meeting where we review kind of all of our feedback, plus all the feedback we've gotten. And we come up with sort of priorities and projects for each person for this off-season. And really great stuff comes out of it. Sometimes it could be a training module for staff. Um, last year, one of the things, we, we wanted a new system, like how we're going to do coffee. I mean, just so it's <laughs> it's ranging from all, all sure. over the place. But, um, and that's really fun because I love that um, kind of creative aspect of camp. Um, another thing that I'm uh, really a lot of because of my chief visionary officer role is we pick, uh, we have like our main goals for campers and our overarching values that we always practice. And each summer we pick a theme for the summer that we really do a deeper dive into. And they tend to be, they're all, to me, they're all social emotional topics. So we've had um, growing grit was one summer. Um, we had a gratitude summer. We've had several on kindness, either choose kindness. Um, we had, um, we have a lot of friendship related ones. So, so basically the theme then we are sharing about that, not just during the summer, but in anticipation of the summer and then afterwards. Um, even like, I mean, these, this might sound just crazy, but these are really meaningful. We have in every bathroom stall at camp, we have what are called Gaxpiration. So it's Gold Arrow Camp. And they are inspirational quotes related to that summer's theme. Hmm. And it is crazy and funny how many kids, when you say, ask them what they learned at camp, will write down one of the quotes. What or, they saw um, in the bathroom. Yeah. And then yeah. also, um, they, it was so funny. They had a game this summer that I love. This was the first time I've seen this where it was a contest be between who could name which bathroom and which stall a specific oh, quote was in. So who knows the quotes best That's and like amazing. uses all of them. Um, but anyway, so it's like things like that. It's like those little things that I'm really involved in now that might just feel like sort of like extra touches. But to me, they are sort of the root of what we're doing, which mm -hmm. is our goal is much bigger than just having kids with us for a few weeks. It's wanting to have them experience things and learn practices that they take home to their families, to their communities. Um, we have a really beautiful kind of closing campfire with our graduating campers. So kids who are, they're going into 10th grade. So it's their very last summer as campers and it's very emotional, a lot of tears, mm -hmm. but we ask them to share, their counselors share character traits that they've seen in them. They get this paddle 
we have a very, it's like late at night and they're around a campfire. And then um, we ask them to share if they want something, a lesson or a practice that they've learned that they're going to take out to their life. And um, I mean, from the first time we started doing this, it has blown us away. The things the kids say they learned at camp. And we were like, we didn't even realize we were teaching that. So it's really, it's really been good. And it's, that has been, um, it's one of my favorite things at camp now, because again, it really is affirming to hear these kids talk about the experience and what they're taking from it and the lasting impact that it has on them. So that's pretty, that's amazing. I love that part. I mean, that is so feel good. And I'm, I'm a parent as well. So I know when I'm looking for summer camp specifically for my kiddos to participate in, when we're leading our summer camp, locally here, it's really hard to find. And I know they exist elsewhere in the country. Like what you're talking about, I'm like, it would be an investment for me to send my kid somewhere to a camp like yours, but it would be worth it. And I think that's where we kind of find ourselves um, in conversations with parents. Well, yours is a little more expensive. And why would I go with you when I can go here? And it most importantly, like what we say is the amount of attention and time and love that we pour into this camp and these campers is unlike anything else. And it sounds to me like your camp is the exact same way that yes, you have intentionality. And I love that you care so much about the details because the details matter. And it comes out in their learnings and takeaways when they're around the campfire to say, this is this is what camp taught me. But most importantly, this is what camp taught me. But this is how I now get to go and be in this world and who I want to be because of camp. You cannot put a price tag on that. Mm. Like sign me up, done. As a parent, that's what I want my kiddo to experience because the world tells our children all the reasons why they're not good enough. And we need spaces and other places and people to help us raise our kids to like really have them go within and experience challenges and in ways that maybe they would have never done before. So I am just swooning over here. One, being inspired in the work that we do, but two, swooning as a parent that a camp like this exists, exists and that these children are walking away as incredible leaders for this world. So bravo. I also think it's funny because we've experienced the same thing in terms of like expectations, if you will, in terms of what you think that they're going to say are their takeaways. And it's something (laughs) completely different. You brought a bathroom quote (laughs) to the table in terms of what your favorite takeaway was. And I, for that reason, I love that parents aren't in the room because they don't understand the impact. So a lot of the things, a lot of the takeaways for our girls were the games we played. So they'd say something stupid like the banana relay, you know, and a parent's going to be like, I paid for you to say your favorite part was a (laughs) banana relay. And it's like, but the lesson learned in that relay and the teamwork and the camaraderie that they brought away is a very valuable lesson. Unless you saw what was going on or unless you were there in person, you would have no idea what that meant. Because of course, when you ask, they're going to say, it was fine. 
I had a great time. They're not going to necessarily spill all the tea of what happened and where they had fun and the friends they met and the conversations and the campfire. So I love that regardless of how different our camps are, we're seeing a lot of similarities in, in what the takeaways are from campers. Curious, and I'm sure the answer is 100% yes. Have all your kids participated? My own kids? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, they've all been campers and then they've all been on staff for varying numbers of years. And actually, just as of a couple of years ago, now my oldest daughter is working full time. She taught school for five years and then mm. came back and is now um, kind of carrying on the family role. She's an assistant director. And then my second oldest daughter actually has just recently come back from teaching for four years in Washington, D.C. And she's going to be helping and working at camp as well. So that has been that's actually given me a really um, I was kind of like when once my kids were outgrown, like being counselors, um, I was like, I don't know if I want to be here much longer because I really liked being at camp, working at camp with the camp family and also having my own family there. But then this summer I had um, my daughters and my granddaughter who's a baby. And so a lot of my time, I actually got to, um, we lived in the same house together and I would watch her in the mornings and several evenings. And I was like, this is living the dream right now where I get to be part of camp but also just really lean into grandmaing and so fun to get to have a close relationship with like a grandkid. It's really is the best. You will, you don't know that's this yet, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, I've so. heard my uh-huh. mom, my mother-in-law is like you, I mean, being a parent's great, but being the a grandparent better. <laughs> well, and talk about legacy, mm-hmm. legacy, the, the legacy that you've not only carried on from the original founders and owners, but the legacy you've now built in your family. It's a thread that weaves through stories and history and upbringings and memories that they all get to share. And I think that's really special because mm-hmm. I have siblings, but we didn't get to share in similar experiences. So I think the fabric that you've created for your family to be a part of is really unique and cool. And there's also something about teaching because our moms are both teachers and we wanted to kind of be teachers. I wanted to be a so teacher too. So it's, it's fun to see all of the different ways in which we get to work with kids and we get to be a part of kids' lives and be impactful and have a positive, you know, hold on them or in, in a way. And I love that your daughters went out and taught and they they did the thing that they wanted to do and they found their way back to camp and i i have no idea why i obviously don't know them but something tells me that the experience at camp outweighs the experience they had with teaching cuz teaching is such a hard hard, hard Mm -hmm. place to be, um, especially in 2023. After 2020, it it really felt like teachers were shouldering way more of the load and not getting any praises for what they're doing. And realistically, they spend eight hours a day with your kid. So I want to boost them up. I want to be on their side. And it doesn't feel like that's where we're at as a society right now, which is disheartening and very sad, considering that we both come from women who taught for 20 plus years. So it's it's a part of our family. So I love that you your camp has provided a space for people who may have taught or may have wanted to teach to still interact with kids in in such a impactful way. That's that's a really cool thing. And I'd honestly be curious to know how much of your staff went were teachers at one point. A lot a lot of them still are. 
Yeah, yeah, a lot of them still are. And interestingly enough, this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but my oldest daughter I was talking about, she's actually right now getting her doctorate in educational leadership. So the one who taught high school and middle school for five years, and she, her research that she's doing this over this year is about the importance of pre-teaching experiences like working at an overnight summer camp because of the training and experience you get in the very important but often overlooked in credential programs, relational and connection aspects and that culture, that positive culture. So um, we see together a lot of books on our horizon for teachers and maybe for teacher training. I have been cool. in the teacher space, some doing trainings, and I love doing that. But people in the world do not perceive camp as being like a real industry or like they don't understand like what you understand about what I do and what's happening at my camp. Right. So we're kind of like by her getting the doctorate, it sort of gives that credibility mm. of like a, she'll have the doc. She'll be like Michelle Borba, doctor. Yes, <laughs> Dr. she Gretchen. will. So yeah, so I, that is, I think part of my trajectory has been, so I loved camp. I wor loved working with the kids. I was very focused on um, their personal growth, their skill development, their character development. And then I really shifted to helping parents more. Probably it was like in, well, probably when I was being a parent, but I round, I think I started doing some blog posts at around like 2010 or 2012 or something. And then I started my podcast in 2014 or 16 or something. And then I wrote my book that came out in 2019. And all of it has been this shift to knowing that what we do at camp is super important. And you kind of referred to this, like wanting it to carry on. Mm -hmm. And now at this stage in my life, I would like my camp to keep going on very well and keeping teaching all these things. And I would like many more people to have these skills and ability to do what we're doing at camp. So even if they've never stepped foot in my camp. So I really do, I do spend a lot of time now. I write for like the American Camp Association magazine. Um, I do blog posts for them too. So, so I have a chance to talk to and work with a lot of summer camp professionals and then parents through various, you know, like talking to you and just different things that I do. I, I get to have that opportunity to just kind of get more outside of my little bubble of whatever impact and hopefully spread the word, you know, about just kind of the value of what we're doing. I think it's so important. Camp really is the vehicle. Camp has been your vehicle for a bigger message. And regardless if you have a camp, if you're a parent, if you're a leader, camp, the lessons at camp, that's really what more of us need. And that's why we started this podcast because um, we know that social emotional learning for our kids is is going to help them in their life and their in their growth trajectory. Um but really what we realized working with kids was they're learning the programs and the behaviors from somewhere, which is their parents. So, well, how do we now take the conversations that we have with the kids and, and really bring it um, in a way that um, is digestible for the parents to to hold the mirror up and say... And loving, because it can feel really confronting it can. or like we're trying to teach them how to parent, right. which we're not. We're trying to empower assist them, them and empower them mm -hmm. on their parenting mm -hmm. journey. Absolutely. So I just love that you said that camp really is the vehicle for you now going in and speaking to different organizations and supporting camp leaders and talking to teachers. 
what you have done needs to be shared in in more ways than just camp. And I love that that's now on your heart to well, and that you figure have out, the space to do yeah, it. Yeah, to figure out how that's going to come to fruition. I'm also giggling that uh, around the comment that you said people don't think camp is like a job, like a real job or an industry. <laughs> uh, and I just I want to point out that it's like a 2.3 billion dollar industry. It is a yeah. serious industry, um, in in multiple ways, a serious um, money generating industry, but like a, a seriously impactful industry based on this conversation alone. We can't take it lightly that you give us your kids for a week, two weeks. You you host kids for, is that the longest, two weeks? Or do you have longer? We do have kids who come for longer, but two weeks is sort of our longest set session. But we do have kids who do multiple sessions too. Yeah. yeah. But and most that, kids come for two weeks. That's a very serious honor, right? We can't, that's not something we can take lightly. So camp very much so is a industry that is serious and very cool. I mean, 1933 that this tradition has been carried on. Um, You mentioned your book. It came out in 2019. It's called Happy Camper, which is very poignant. Will you talk a little bit more about that so we can then direct our audience on where to get it if they're interested in learning more about you and GAC? Sure. Yeah. So um, the book is called Happy Campers. Here it is. (laughs) If you you are watching the video. It is, it's sort of a combo memoir and uh, research-based book. So I got my master's in psychology in like 2015. And my research was on the impact of summer camp experiences on well-being and social skills. So I had many camps participating in the research. And I had like a post-camp survey of parents and kids at various camps. And um, there's been a lot of other research that also backs up my research um, that the American Camp Association has kind of been participating in. But basically, um, I really wanted to get the message out, even to people who never send their kids to camp. This is not a book about camp or sending your kids to camp. But camp has been, as you mentioned, my vehicle for practicing some of these habits and skills that I also use with my own kids at home. So in the book, um, every chapter has, so like some of the chapters, like one on kind of positive behavior management is called Catch Them Doing Something Right. Hmm. So I share about how we train our counselors in how to communicate with kids and how to help them with their behavior and like how to address bad behavior and how to like talk to kids. And um, so it's all this really like, I think uh, to me, it's like, oh, it sounds so simple. And yet some people just haven't ever had this information given to them in just a really easy to explain way. And I've always said that camp counselor training, we have about 10 days to train people who need to be better with kids than parents are. So for example, a camp counselor can't yell at a kid when they do something wrong. A camp counselor has to have other tools to like address behavior. Mm. So it's kind of a crazy idea to think that a 19 year old can be trained in 10 days to create this experience and to provide this uh, supervision and support and experience for kids that again, meets these very high standards. So um, I also have the, in the back of each chapter, so people who don't wanna read the whole chapter, there's like, it's called bringing camp home. And it, I have several different like levels of things you can try, ranging from the first thing is called one simple thing. 
So you can just do like the one simple thing might take you five or 10 minutes to do. I have a thing called the sticky note solution because I love sticky notes and they are super underutilized in parenting and they can be super valuable. Yes, there you go. So a sticky note solution. And this is one of the things that I like tell parents, like if I'm speaking to them and they something that they can do right then, I'll pass out sticky notes and have them do this, but have them write something that they really love about their child. That's a character based compliment. So your sense of humor just makes my day so much better. You make me laugh, you know, whatever it is, and like stick it on their mirror or their pillow. So that's like a sticky note solution. Um, then I have a make it fun because that's another thing at camp. You know, we need kids to put on sunscreen every day, multiple times. So <laughs> how do you make that fun when kids hate sunscreen, right? So we have like at camp, we have um, sunscreen parties and we have this game called Screen It Like You Mean It, where each kid gets a huge pump of sunscreen and it's a contest to see who can rub it in the fastest. <laughs> so so things like that, I give suggestions for things you could do at home to make mundane things more fun because that is also kind of a key to parenting because if you know every day something is just a drudgery how can you create it gamify it or make mm -hmm. it more fun so that it's not so bad um right. and then there's around the campfire which is a kind of a dinner family dinner discussion topic that you can do and then the final oh and then and then the final one is a deep diving deeper and that's where i give more resources so like hey you really want to you know, learn more about this. Here are some other books you can do. Here's some other practices that you can do. So every chapter has this. And then the chapters are on everything ranging from optimism, building optimism in your kids, responsibility, um, resilience. You talk about that, like getting kids to do things, try new things and get outside their comfort zone and grow their resilience. And then independence, structure, and kindness and then friendship skills. So all of these, cha each chapter has things that we really work on at camp that we've spent years figuring out. How do we do this better and better and better? What are some simple things we can do? What are we gonna train our counselors to do and say this summer to get this outcome? Um, so it's really kind of a, it's pretty, it's like to me, and this is what I hear from people too. I think people tend to think it's, oh, I'm not gonna read that. I don't send my kids to camp. But it's not really, it's just, again, it's like my examples are from camp, but these are things that you can do anywhere. And it's also for any age. I've had parents of teenagers say that they started some things with their kids um, and it worked for older kids too. So you don't have to like read it when your kids are preschoolers or anything. It really can be applied at any time. And then I've also, I don't know if you know the um, the Happier in Hollywood people, um, Liz Craft and Sarah Fain. So Liz Craft, her sister is Gretchen Rubin, the happier, oh. you know, the happier. So anyway, they're Hollywood writers. And I've been on their podcast several times because they actually, a lot of the stuff in my book, they've used on their teams, like at work. So oh, like the practices cool. that we do at camp. So it's like, it's not just for yeah. kids even, like some of these practices. Skills. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's on, it's an audio book now too. It's available every, I mean, you can get it at any bookstore. Um, it was traditionally published by a publisher and everything. So it's, it's kind of anywhere people get books. Wonderful. Well, I mean, it's like a sixth child. So you, you really, yeah. I mean, writing a book is not for the <laughs> faint of true. heart. 
So well, and go out and get it. I'm yeah, like, we'll put it in the show I, notes. My wheels are turning. I'm like, okay, we're reading it. We're gonna make our youth counselors read this <laughs> book together. We can do a book club. I mean, all sorts of fun things are going through my mind. Audrey, seriously, this conversation has been so just wonderful, uh, purposeful incredible, inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for doing the work and trailblazing this this trail that Mary and I are on and for so many more people to realize that you can take someone's experience and flip it, elevate it, paying attention to detail, making sure that everyone feels like there's a sense of belonging. You can do that in your parenting, in your in your business, in, in your relationships. So this conversation doesn't just specific, specifically need to be about camp. It can really like find yourself in this story because there was so much good in it um, for you to apply it in all areas of your life. But also find a camp. Because the camp experience, I'll never forget my camp experiences. They painted who I who I am. They gave me all the skills and tools that you literally just rambled off on that you wrote about in your book. It's such an important like rite of passage. So let your kids go experience something like this because it will shape them in a way that you're not going to be able to do just on your own. Mm-hmm. So bringing in really important community members and people that also really, really, really care about your kids in this way is very cool. So Audrey, sincerely, thank you so much for your wisdom and joining us for the last 46 minutes. We we appreciate it. And we'll link everything in our show notes in terms of um, if people are interested in seeking out your camp, obviously your book, um, where they can learn more about it on Instagram since – you know, we're in 2023 now and photos and videos have to be posted of, of experiences. <laughs> but audience, we're kicking you out. Audrey, hang out for a minute and you guys will see you on the next episode of What's the Lesson. Bye, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to What's the Lesson. If you're feeling the same I can do anything attitude that we are, here's how you can keep the momentum going. Spread the good vibes. Share this episode with your friends, family, or give us a shout out on your social media. Fancy a trip to iTunes town? We're all ears for your ratings and reviews. Seriously, we read each one of them. Your thoughts are like gold to us. Lastly, let's be friends. Hang out with us on social media for more awesome content and behind the scenes action. And until we meet again, remember our golden rule. Turning those WTF moments into WTL moments is a superpower. Practice is always progress. And you've got this.